Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online and Play Action Pools. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron and start of the new football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest, the world's largest 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. And make sure you head over to the website or use the mobile device and sign up today for 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager is refunded up to $25, 100%. For new customers only, by signing up using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And exciting news our podcast is partnering with playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sports we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up on our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select 10 highest-profile games of the week between NFL and college football, and whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy Focus Network, a match made in heaven. I'm here today and hopefully every Wednesday going forward with my man Buck. Buck, what's going on, brother? Bob, doing extremely well. It was a tumultuous week one. I'm just glad I made it out alive, made it to work on Monday, mm-hmm. had a terrible night of sleep Monday night, and an even worse one last night. All of the different Elements factoring into week one in the NFL, moving into week two, decisions to be made, waiver wire pickups, the whole caboosh. But when I think about it, I think I'm doing this all for Sundays. Join us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time leading up to kickoff. We'll get to all your start sick questions. It's a combined effort. you got the TCK boys and the old school Fantasy Focus crew here on the Fantasy Focus Network, 10 a.m., to 1 p.m. every single Sunday. We'll see you there. We will get to your questions without a doubt. All right. Listen, and now typically every week we like to start, we like to get the, the guys on the on the podcast ready to go. So we have a typical hot topic question of the day, which is brought to you by one of our sponsors, Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. And every week we're going to be talking a little bit, give Buck a chance to open your eyes and everyone's eyes to a potential trade target of the week. So we're going to do Buck's trade target of the week, but tell us who you're targeting in trades and let us know what uh, what's a realistic trade offer you're willing to make. Well, I'm going to need your help, Bob. Not exactly a stalwart of the trading industry within fantasy football. In fact, most folks that have played with me will say I'm the absolute worst. Not only am I not responsive, 
I'm also terrible at taking the initiative. I've been told that by many teachers, by many females, by many people in my life every single day. So it doesn't shock me that we're heading into that for fantasy football trades. The guy I'm targeting is like that fleeting, the one that got away, Bob. It's Mm -hmm. the one that got away. It's Tyler Lockett. Man put up two touchdowns. And look, he looked good. The target share wasn't exactly there. uh, But I think that'll only increase as we move forward. I think that the fact that remains here, you have Wilson, who only took 23 attempts through the air in week one. I look for him to kind of revert back as time moves on. He'll be that 35 pitch count guy, hopefully get up to 40 like we've seen quite a bit of times from him. And when he gets to that point, it's two men. It's DK Metcalf, who thankfully I've rostered in quite a bit of leagues. Both of them went for touchdowns on the weekend. But Tyler Lockett in crunch time is that guy. He will be the main man, the number one target. So I'm really looking for Tyler Lockett. Now, where I need you, Bob, I'm in an ultra flex league. All right, so for those of you who don't know an ultra flex league, it is two quarterbacks, if you so choose, as well as complete flexes for six different lineup spots. I ended up going a bit weak here at wide receiver with kind of the top of that line being Mike Evans and Adam Thielen. And then I took some decent stabs at some fellas, but I'm looking at a stack of Mike Evans, Adam Thielen and Tyler Boyd week over week. I'd like to bump that up quite a bit. Now, what I have a question for you on would be, where do you think Mike Evans factors in from a value standpoint in a trade with Tyler Lockett? You had told me pre-show, not so much into it, but give me your thoughts there. Well, I think if you want to package Mike Evans with somebody to get a Tyler Lockett, it's just tough to get Tyler Lockett coming off a good game for a guy to then trade for Mike Evans who just had a bad game. My thought is this. If you could package two players for one to get Lockett, I think Mike Evans is a good foundation piece in that trade. I just don't think he does a one-for-one, he gets it done. So if you're looking at a team that has Tyler Lockett, you have to look at their roster. Where are they weak? Do they have – they need depth. You're in this ultra-flex league. So really, if you have a second receiver, maybe a a wide receiver three or four on your team that you can also package together to get Lockett and help their team as well improve with their depth – then it's, it's usually a two-for-one, one-for-two. In my opinion, it's depth for talent. So if you could trade depth to that team, Mike Evans and another receiver, I think it's definitely an option to get Tyler Lockett. So let's say that they are pretty much stacked at wide receiver. They're feeling good about their depth there. Let's say they had drafted Raheem Mostert. And then mm-hmm. obviously we found out yesterday that'll be for the full season. It's heartbreaking. I know I had him in quite a few leagues, but let's say they had Mostert and they're looking for depth at the running back position. What about packaging someone like Chase Edmonds with a Tyler Boyd type to get that number one receiver in the Seattle offense and Tyler Lockett? If you have the depth at running back, I mean, that's it's always I Listen, I know that every year there's running backs that come come out of the woodworks and stuff, but it's not that easy to get that guy. Number one, you have to win them on, win them on waivers. And if you don't, then you don't get that free agent waiver guy. So I don't like trading running backs too much unless you have you hit the lottery. Let's say you have Jamal Williams, for example. You know, those kind of guys later in rounds, let's say they're your RB4 or 5, trade them while their their value is this high. So if you could get Jamal Williams and trade Tyler Boyd, who I love, but I'm realistic on, and you can get an upgrade, I don't think it gets you to Tyler Lockett unless that team is truly struggling at running back. Maybe a Mike Evans and Chase Edmonds could get you a Lockett, but that's think you're kind of starting to lose some of the value you're going to get in return by putting Lockett in your lineup. 
This is why I stay away from these trades, Bob. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I don't bother. It's too much to think because then you have to factor in. This is me too. You have to also factor in who are you're getting rid of your depth. So who are you going to replace? So let's just say, for example, Chase and a guy like, you know, Boyd, Boyd were in your starting lineup. Who's going to replace Boyd with Lockett now in your lineup? Because if you're going to take a little bit of a de- uh, drop down from your two for one trade, you're, what are you really netting in this trade? So I get it. I overthink it too much. That's why I just don't trade. I stop bothering because I always mess it up anyway. I don't even bother. But it's All still right, it's so- Tyler Lockett. Yeah, uh, listen, I think Tyler Lockett, you should go after him. Be realistic. Always offer the person in the league the opportunity to make the trade offer first. So if you say, hey, listen, I'm interested in Lockett, what would get it done? Um, And let them reach out to you and send the players first. Always let them show their hand before you show yours. So just say you're interested in Tyler Lockett. Let the owner send you an offer. If you like the offer, great. You pull the trigger. If it's something you're like, "Eh, I'm thinking more of this, it starts the dialogue. You know where the starting point is. It gives you a slight upper hand overall. All right, listen, Buck, that is a great trade target of the week brought to you by Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. But we're going to have to switch gears. And I know one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is Thursday night football. Now, the game actually is not as interesting. I think, listen, the Giants versus the Washington football team, the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury, Barkley's banged up, no Evan Ingram. You know, so there is a couple key injuries in this game that is kind of interesting. But before we even dive into Thursday football and talk about all the guys and keys, but like, what are you? what's your number one thing you're going to watch between the Giants and the Washington football team on Thursday? So first and foremost, this game reminds me of a trip to the dentist. It's mm. something as a football fan that you just have to sit through, but you know it's for your better health moving forward, especially as a fantasy football player. It's not going to be fun. This is yeah. going to be ugly. Evan Ingram out for the Giants, so that's another weapon that's sitting on the bench. At least maybe he'll be chilling next to a cooler or something. Um, and then you have Fitz Magic out for Washington. So Tyler Heineke, the pride of, of the playoffs there, putting the best fight that anyone did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers during that first matchup. So it's it's looking kind of like a very low-scoring game. It's one of the uh, – I believe it is the lowest over-under for the week. So what I'm looking for here is whether or not the Giants can find some semblance of an offense moving into week two. Um I don't think this is the week that it'll happen going up against Washington. So really what I'm watching for is whether or not Daniel Jones looks competent, whether or not there's a bit of explosiveness from Saquon. To be honest, I'm paying a lot more attention to Antonio Gibson's utilization for Washington. And then I'm also going to make sure that Saquon brings us a little bit more than what he brought last week. That was a very disappointing game and it's a very disappointing offense so far. Can they at least take baby steps against a very competent Washington football team defense? Well, I think the biggest takeaway from what I understood is like, listen, Barkley was eased in. Like he didn't run a lot of routes last week. He was well under 50% the routes versus the dropbacks for Daniel Jones. So it's clear that they're using Booker involved in the past and, and also their rookie as well brightwell so there was a lot of different guys involved and i think that makes sense i mean this guy's coming off a very serious injury no one really should have expected him to hit the ground running pro football doc talked about this constantly that he's not going to be 100 percent. he's the franchise you know daniel jones is good but saquon Barkley is that franchise so i think right there it's going to be issue. the other big thing i want to understand is the washington football team was not that dominant 
They did not scare everybody away. Austin Eckler got his, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. So there was actually more production from that Chargers offense against this dominant Washington team. So I'm interested to see if they get back on track or, or maybe this just fool's gold. Maybe we thought going into this season, plenty of times we thought the number one defense going into the season does not end up as the number one defense. So I would interested to see if they bounce back because after week one, I'm not as scared off to play a guy like Sterling Shepard, who, by the way, he got plenty of looks last week. He looked very good. I think he's firmly on the flex radar in this matchup. Um, when you look at guys like Kenny Galladay, I don't think I'm going to jump in yet. He's He was actually third on the team in targets and stuff like that, so that's not something I'm interested in. Of course, with the injury to uh, Kyle Rudolph, that should open some other things up for um, – sorry, for Evan Ingram. That should open things up for other players like Shepard, for example. But overall, I'm not diving into this game. I don't think Saquon Barkley is a must-start. Expert consensus ranking has met 19. So I think he's still someone you can kind of fade if you have the right guys. Guys like Chase Edmonds, you drafted later – could be a better start this week than a guy like Saquon Barkley. So just be aware of that as well. But is there any specific player? I guess you just talked a little bit about Barkley, but on the Washington football team side, I know they have a new quarterback playing in there say, uh, with Heineke. Um, do you, are you a little concerned about guys like Logan Thomas? Are you concerned about players like Terry McLaurin this week? Or are those guys still plugged into your lineup, must-start players? And do you think there's a bigger impact on Antonio Gibson? Well, just because of the dearth of depth, dearth of depth that's pretty good right there i like it um just because dearth of depth for the tight end position i think i feel fine with logan thomas if if he's the guy you drafted as your number one tight end i still pre i, I still feel pretty confident starting him in there mclaurin's a question mark for me and with heineke how is that going to work i'm just not sure i mean i'd love to get your take on how that impacts mclaurin's future at least for the next you know six to eight weeks yeah, well, the thing with with uh, Taylor Heineke is that number one, he actually didn't did look the part in that playoff game against the Bucks. But also, most of that game last week was played without Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick only attempted six passes, so it was mostly Taylor Heineke. The other thing I thought was interesting is that the Washington Football Team only dropped back to pass. It was like twenty six times. Was, they're actually one of the teams in my analysis that I do that actually is due for a lot of passing volume progression. They could definitely get a lot more this week. Um, even against the Giants. So I do think that Taylor Heineke is a capable quarterback. He actually sh- – there was a lot of rumblings in the offseason. It wasn't just Ryan Fitzpatrick slam dunk. He was actually performing decently well and kept it competitive. So I do think he's going to be something to watch. I think that's fine for guys like Taylor um, – for Terry McLaurin and uh, Jordan uh, Logan Thomas. But I just think the problem is now is I don't trust the other guys. I'm not going to look at Diami Brown, Adam Humphreys. When Curtis Samuel comes back, I'm not interested in those guys. J.D. McKissick, guys there are, are secondary players. I'm not going to go after them as much because I still would rather have Fitzpatrick in there. So I think for me it's more about the ancillary players around with McLaurin and Logan Thomas. But I do think those guys are still going to perform. All right, so listen, if there's – um. I think if there's a biggest takeaway for you for this game right now, I think right now today when I'm looking at the receivers in this game, Kenny Galladay, can we just do a quick start sit? I'm just going to kind of run through some of these guys. You say in or out. Um, Make sure if you just PSA announcement, if this is Thursday night football and you have one of these guys, make sure they're not in your flex. They're in your running back or receiver spot. So let's talk about this. Is Saquon Barkley in your starting lineup as a top 24 running back starter sit? Sit. Okay. Antonio Gibson. Start. Okay. Either quarterback. Are you looking at, for let's say QB two leagues, are you considering either one of them? Not for this game. Over-under is far too low, and I think Vegas gets this one right. 
Okay. Are you starting Terry McLaurin as a top 24 receiver? I'll go for the upside there. Okay. okay. Sterling Shepard, would you start him as a flex this week? Yes. Any other receiver named Galladay or, or Slayton out? Okay. Nope. Tight ends other than Logan Thomas, you looking at Kyle Rudolph as a streamer this week? Or are you good on them? I'm good on that, but I'm starting Logan Thomas. Okay. And what about the defenses? Are you interested in the Washington football team as a bounce back? I would say I would opt for either defense in this game, if you, especially if you're just streaming week to week. If you have either shot at this, again, Vegas usually prevails, especially on these – well, not always, but usually they're pretty good about these lower end, these lower scoring Thursday night games. But we've all seen the uh, the occasional blow up. I just don't see the offenses are all that capable in their current shape. Yep. And those division games can sometimes – they get a little grimy. They get down there in the trenches. Oh, grimy. So- yeah, I get you, man. So that's definitely something we'll have to look out for. All right, so that's our Thursday night preview. I think, listen, at this point, Buck put it perfectly. You're going to the dentist tomorrow, but you know what? It's for your health. You're going to have six months of clean teeth. You go back for your cleaning at the end of the fucking season. All right, folks, let's go into now our biggest segment today. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple things. We're going to do start sits. We're going to talk about QB streamers. We're going to go through pretty much what we do on this show every Wednesday. We're going to talk about the top 12 quarterbacks the top 12 tight ends, the top 24 receivers and running backs. We're going to talk about guys that we would fade, that the expert consensus rankings are saying you should start. And then we're going to give you an option to either replace one of those guys in those sections or for tight ends and QBs to stream this week. So we're going to break those down by position. But before we do, I want to make sure we're talking about one of our sponsors, and that's Bomb Banana uh, Bene- Hot Sauce. Wow. Jersey jungle, folks. All right. So make sure if you guys do go in the track. Oh, busy day. Losing my mind. Let's get back on track. So Jersey jungle guys is one of our favorite sponsors. Uh, they actually do stitch and 12 legit jerseys. Sky talks us down, breaks it down great every single episode. They've been one of our, they were one of our first sponsors. So we always like to show them love. If you guys go to Instagram, you go to the Jersey jungle on Instagram. I always say, listen, forget about buying a jersey. Just go to Instagram and follow the account. Every time they get a new shipment, they post it in their stories, and you can see all the great new customized jerseys they get for you. And if you use that promo code TCK, you get 10% off one, two, and 15% off three jerseys. So make sure you're checking out the Jersey Jungle today and getting yourself a jersey uh, and use that promo code TCK. So listen, I like to always say this in, in all the players that we're going to talk about today. I don't want to give anything away, but is there one guy that stands out to you that you would kind of want to buy that jersey before we get into these players. What was the name of the Vancouver Grizzlies big man, big country? Oh, I want the Vancouver Brian Grizzlies Reeves? big. Yes. <laughs> I want the Brian Reeves. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a bad call. So we got something here too. We, we always like to shout out our followers when they send it to when the Washington football team focus on the run with uncertainty at quarterback. Listen, they did last week, right? Antonio Gibson had 20 carries in that game and they were one of the least uh, they threw the ball one of the least amount of times in the NFL. It wasn't for the Saints game. The Washington football team would have had one of the lowest dropbacks on the week. So, But you got to think, honestly, the law of averages. Listen, if their team typically throws 35, 40 times a game and they're down at 25, you have to just play the law of averages. They're going to get closer to that. I think this game is a much more competitive game. I think Taylor Heineke is capable enough. But what's your thoughts, Buck? Do you think Antonio Gibson's another shot for 20 carries? I do. I think this will be the week. I think this has to be the week. Considering the change, they weren't expecting it. All optimism was on Fitzpatrick's shoulders as it always is until it melts down into oblivion. Uh, But yeah, I I think that this has to be the week for Antonio Gibson. I actually, 
I have him as one of my top starts. If he's if he's there, he's my RB one. That's good. I mean, listen, you just saw. Listen, last week, Mark, Melvin Gordon and, and Javante Williams got it done against this Giants defense. Melvin Gordon ran for a seventy yard touchdown. So definitely, there's something there, and I think that is definitely a good point. All right, so Buck, listen, we're going to go into quarterbacks first. I asked you as a homework assignment heading into this day to give me a quarterback in the top twelve to fade. So why don't we start off with you? I'm going to give you a little close up too. So give us. Your QB fade, top 12 QB fade for week one or two, sorry. Week two, I am fading Ryan Tannehill here. Not the best week to start out on week one. A little bit shaky. I found that offense to be slightly disjointed. Now they're going across the country into Seattle. And while Seattle's not exactly the greatest defense that was ever was, I just think that Tannehill is far too reliant on, on Derrick Henry just getting it done. And what we saw last week was an offense is still trying to piece everything together. Julio Jones and AJ Brown, both that they both do similar things out there. They're both speedy, powerful, big men. And I think, yes, when, when everything is optimized over there and you're just, you're getting full fledged, uh, just constructive offense built around those two players. I think they're still piecing it all together. So it's always tough. He was number 11, as far as ECR is concerned, Ryan Tannehill will be my fade this week because I believe there is value behind him. Come on, Bob. Come on, man. All right. All right. You know what? Right. You work too hard, yeah, yeah. Bobby. I don't know. I don't know. What's going too on? Hard. I don't know. This this is this is my A minus game. I'm sorry, but anyway. So listen. Yeah, we saw it last week. Something was off about that offense. You know, Todd Downey coming in. They talked about they didn't run play action, which was their foundation last year. So Todd Downey needs to figure it out. So there is some hiccups going on. So I do agree. And plus, Seattle has really turned it on. The last second half of last year, they shut down quarterbacks. Last week, they looked pretty good as well against Wentz. So I am not. I, I definitely agree with Ryan Tannehill. Let's jump over to my guy. Mine's a little. Uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna be sweating this one out probably. But my guy is actually Lamar Jackson. Now, oh, you're Lamar, sweating. No, you're yeah, sweating now. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is this. I mean, you know, there's Mark and people are starting to realize. Listen, Greg Roman has been. Uh, coordinator uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. He was there for the Bills. And after a couple years, people just start understanding what this uh, it's very predictable passing game. We saw, you know, Tyrod Taylor kind of flame out towards the latter half of those years. We saw guys like, for example, Colin Kaepernick flame out after a couple years. They come out hot and he does this great running game concept. And then next thing you know, the passing game gets bland. And unfortunately, it just doesn't go anywhere. And Lamar Jackson, I know he's going to run a lot. But last year, when they faced against the Kansas City Chiefs, they held him under 20 points uh, in fantasy. So I just, when I'm looking at this, I think Kansas City is one of those teams with Steve Spagnuolo. He understands how to shut down Lamar Jackson. They take away, once you take away Lamar, uh, Mark Andrews in the middle of the field and force him to go out wide, listen, the Raiders held him under 20 points last week. So I just, I am, I just think that this has become a little predictable. Um, listen, Mar Lamar Jackson, of course, is probably going to be a guy you start. This is probably more of like a, hey, DFS. Probably you should fade this guy. Um, but my personal preference is like, listen, I when his matchup isn't good and you see the history of a defense shutting down a quarterback consistently, I think you got to listen to that. So that's why Lamar Jackson is my fade this week. Buck, what's your thoughts? It's one of those things where usually if you have a top five, top six guy week in, week out, it's just a no-brainer. But I have to be honest with you. As we were going through this exercise, me doing my homework, I had this weird inkling that, it was either going to be me or you going with Lamar here. Mm -hmm. I, the Greg Roman analysis, unbelievable. 
because that's exactly what happens. And we saw it, you know, to Rod, when he came out early in that season with that playoff run, he was fantastic. But then all of a sudden they just hit a brick wall and what now we're heading in here. And and we think to ourselves that it's just, it's magic in a bottle with Lamar Jackson. The fact remains, if you don't have the extension of that passing game and your routes, your, your route trees and how you're breaking things down on the, on the defense, that impacts your ability to put up fantasy points when you're one dimensional, one dimensional will kill an offense. And of all the weeks, I, I don't think this is a bad week. However, I'm certainly playing him if he is my my QB one. Yeah. All right, listen, it's easy to say guys to fade and, you know, back it up with some guys to play. So I think a good exercise here is Buck is now tell us a quarterback going outside the top 12 that you're willing to buy for this week. So I'm going with Teddy B, Teddy Bridgewater, Denver Bronco. He's at Jacksonville. You might get sick of hearing me target this Jacksonville defense every single week. But Teddy had a great game last week, one of the better games of his career. I mean, he looked good. He looked crisp. And the fact is, I think Tim Patrick and K.J. Hamler, K.J. Hamler especially, is a guy that really gets me going in terms of potential for his quarterback. You factor in Noah Fant, who had a solid but not excellent game. I just There's something about this matchup with Jacksonville. I understand that they're traveling east. They're playing at Jacksonville. I'm not thinking that's a big factor. Urban Meyer might have an esophageal spasm. Look, I'm not a guy that wants to critique health, but he did not look good on the sidelines on Sunday. And rumors were abound on Monday and Tuesday that something just isn't right. Players are not feeling good there. That's not surprising. I was at the University of Florida when Urban was there. I knew a few of the players. Let's just say he kind of unhinged was the word that I read that stood out to me. He's a bit unhinged. I just think Teddy B this week has another good week. Not an excellent week, but enough if he puts up 25, 26 fantasy points to get up there for that week two top 12 spot. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Thing is with Teddy B, I'm a little concerned about the Judy injury because he was that was his guy early on in that game. Um, Cortland Sutton doesn't look there yet, but KJ Handler, man, I got that feeling too. I yeah. talked about this in our episode earlier in the week. I said he's, he's outside of Elijah Mitchell, which of course is everyone. He was my number one pickup. Um, I think he's going to be big time. He's going to play that slot role. And he's going to replace uh, – because Jerry Judy ran the slot, which I thought was crazy. So I think it's going to be him. Um, that's why I'm interested. I like the Teddy B call a lot. Mine's a, a guy that I actually picked up in a couple of leagues. He was one of my, my favorite late-round quarterbacks because of his early season schedule, and that is Kirk Cousins. Now, Captain Kirk, he got it done last week because of the extra volume in that game. They trailed against the Bengals, and they had to throw a bunch – and sure enough, the weapons, when you have guys like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, it's, it's listen, I know he's not mobile like Russ, but the point is when you have two dynamic receivers that are consistently getting open for you, we see Russ cook constantly, and there's not a lot of things you can do about it. I think Kirk Cousins, when he gets the volume, the problem with Kirk Cousins has always been they just don't throw a lot. They don't have to. They have an efficient run game, and the defense has been good. Well, the defense is not good. That was hands down my worst call last week. I thought the Vikings defense improved. Well, sure enough, um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't Patrick Peterson. It was Brashad Breeland who got smoked by Jamar Chase, and he let up a touchdown at T. Higgins. So touche, Brashad, making me look bad, whatever. But my point is that I just think that he's going to need to throw a lot again in this game. And I just wanted to – listen, one of the things I did in my leagues, I actually drafted Kirk Cousins, and I drafted Trey Lance or Justin Fields because I have them on my bench, and I'm waiting for that, that final shoe to fall. 
But if you look at his first six weeks, according to Warren Sharp, uh, Sharp's strength of schedule, he had the best by far schedule the first six weeks of the season. So I know that Kirk Cousins, when he has good matchup, is going to be able to dominate in this game. And this week, he's going up against the Cardinals. And for the Cardinals game, I just feel like you know they're going to put up points. Um, and the Arizona Cardinals just lit up the Tennessee Titans. I think it's going to be the same exact thing again in this game where they're going to be able to beat up on the Vikings secondary. I think Kyler Murray is going to get all his, and I think that's going to directly impact, for example, a player like Kirk Cousins because he's going to have to keep up with that red-hot Arizona offense. So I think that's why I am buying Kirk Cousins this week as a player that you can plug in and start. Buck, what's your thoughts? Well, first off, Bobby, you never look bad. You always look good over there, pal. But Kirk, this is a great example of game flow and how it will impact your ability to get the optimal results from your starting positions. And I think game flow is the tale of this game. I think that you're absolutely right. It's just a bunch of absolute workhorses on that Arizona offense. It's just unbelievable. What the talent they've accrued as far as playmakers is some serious, serious stuff. And we haven't even seen the best out of Rondale Moore yet. So you factor in Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyler freaking Murray. It's going to be extremely difficult to slow these guys down. So I actually think that one of the one of the factors will be we will be buying on stock against Jacksonville. We will also be got buying on the opposition for Arizona throughout this year. Just because I think you, on one hand you have the bad, the poor, def, poorest defense. Really, it's porous. It is poor, but it's also porous. It's very holy. And then you also have this factor of Arizona who, dare I say, they're one of the sneakiest, most appealing fantasy teams for this season. And I'm not just saying they're not attractive to watch in a game-to-game situation. They're fantastic to watch. But I want all the pieces of that offense I can get as far as the pass catchers there. And Kyler Murray, I'm just so glad I drafted him in two leagues because I I wish I would have just taken him round one in every single league, the way things are looking. Yeah. And the thing is, he starts slipping a little bit to the sixth round. In some cases I got, I got two shares of Kyler. So that's not too bad. Um, Maybe feel good. (laughs) So I'm good with that. Now, listen, the quarterback position is always kind of easier to find streamers. I think the tougher part is when we start diving into these running backs and receivers. So I think a big, big thing we're going to have to talk about today is those running backs that you're going to fade. So why don't you give the people a top 24 consensus expert consensus ranking running back that you're willing to fade in week two. So I'm fading Miles Gaskin this week. What an impressive performance from the Buffalo Bills shutting down Najee Harris. And I understand he's a rookie, but they did not ease him into the action. They put him into the fire and he got burnt. That defense, the additions on the Buffalo defensive line are extremely, extremely valuable for this team, shutting down opposing running backs. The athleticism at the linebacker position, the athleticism at the end, I was shocked by how Greg Rousseau held up. This is not a hate on Gaskin because I actually think Gaskin has a firm control over this backfield, but we saw it last week. Najee, 16 carries, 45 yards. That's inefficient. One reception. I don't find this to be a particularly great matchup for Gaskin. I think the Buffalo secondary is certainly a bit more a bit more lenient than, than that linebacking and that defensive line core catching threat, but the linebackers with their athleticism, this is the guy I'm fading for this week. The evidence was out there for week one. Can the Bills put together another monumental defensive performance shutting down a running back this week? My money's on yes. Yeah, um, I agree. I, this was the one we – 
We had some issues with the expert consensus updates. We, we and you had one thing in common. We're like, Miles Gaskin. I'm like, I'm going to steal him from you this morning. We're all excited. Well, next thing you know, everything gets updated. Yep. I said, Buck, for the team, I'll let you have him. But I, I got mine. I'm going to do mine again. It's a little spicier anyway. So you know what? Put some money where your mouth is. I've been off this guy all summer. And now I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And my fade is Najee Harris. <clears throat> you just talked about the Bills game. Now, the one thing I will say is the last year, the Bills were not the dominant run defense. They didn't have this dominant run defense last year. So everyone's thinking, okay, it should be fine. They should be able to run against Buffalo. And it was atrocious. I talk about my one metric that I use for all my running back analysis, and that's adjusted line yards. That's how much of a push a line gets. League average from week one was 4.15 yards of push. The the Pittsburgh Steelers were dead last at 2.6. That is atrocious. And now they're going up against the Raiders, who, by the way, listen, they did allow some big runs early on in that game to Taysom Williams, but they kind of clamped down towards the end, especially keeping that game close. And sure enough, they pull it out in the end. But my thing is I need to see Najee Harris do it with this offensive line before I just continue to put him in my lap. I understand the volume is all there, but when you go 20 for 50 – it's not going to do much for your fantasy team. Plus, I talked about this in my off-season analysis. I brought up Ben Ben Roethlisberger over the last two full seasons, 2018 and 19, has been in the bottom three in target percentage to the running backs. What masked the volume in 2018 was they led the NFL with 675 pass attempts. So it looked like Connor got a lot of passing work, but really, when you break it down by percentages, it was not. Sure enough, last year it falls through the floor, the bad offensive line, and now you're seeing it again. Juju's a short area guy. You got Eric Ebron, Pat Firemuth. You also have Deontay Johnson gobbling up all those short to immediate targets. Ben doesn't need Najee Harris that much. So listen, the Raiders are always been a team where I feel like they play up to the good teams and they play down to the bad teams. And I think they're going to go after these Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they're going to attack Najee Harris and force Big Ben to beat him them, which he hasn't proven he can do. So that's why I'm fading Najee Harris, and I think he's not. I think he's just a flex play in week two. Talk to me. I'm still I'm still putting him in there. I'm a volume guy, requisite touches. If you if you watch these Sunday live shows, you know that's where I I start and I stop. I'm still gonna go with him this week, and and the adjusted line, apparently according to Kyle Senra. Hey Kyle, how you doing? Uh, Tuning in here live. Thirty two adjusted line yards last year. So well, it could be an all-year problem, and I think we will see an explosive play from Najee this week. So I'm going right. to keep with him as a RB2, but certainly if you drafted him in the in the second round, like I saw it happen so many times, you might be in some trouble in terms of where your running backs are starting. Yeah, and listen, they have five new starters up front too. It's going to take – you know, you just don't – we talked about this too in one of our episodes. Offensive line, secondary, are ones that you need the most communication on. And the offensive line starting five new starters. They got off to a bad start. All right, listen, we talked the talk. Let's walk the walk. Now that we told you who to fade, Buck, give us who to buy as a outside the top 24 that you're willing to start as a top 24 running back. So it really thins out past 24 quite a bit, which – I'm looking at this more like a flex play that might potentially break through and be an RB2, maybe even an RB1 with the right volume. I'm going Melvin Gordon. Again, I'm going with the Jacksonville stack here. I got Teddy B. I got Melvin. 11 carries, 101 yards, obviously had quite the touchdown run there to get the mass majority of that. But he was also in a 50-50 split. And that that's the one thing that might hold him back from being a potential 
RB1 or an RB2, but I think he's a very solid flex play that could break into the top 24. So Melvin Gordon's my guy. Um, the only thing, though, Bob, you got to tell me, wh- what's the deal moving forward with Williams? Do you think it's going to get a little bit better in terms of the output from a guy like Melvin Gordon, or do you think this is just going to continue down being a straight-up split? It's going to be a split. Listen, I, they did it last year with Phil Lindsay. I talked about this last year. If you take out the, the the wide receiver quarterback game against the Saints, remember how much of a disaster that was, and you just look at the games that Melvin Gordon played with Philip Lindsay. He already had Philip Lindsay. Lindsay was on the field. He averaged the same amount of points at 12.7. That made him an RB1 last year, a top 24 for fantasy on a points-per-game basis. So I think he's going to be fine. I think he was well underdrafted because of Javante, even though we already knew they were, he was going to fill in the Philip Lindsay role that was already being vacated about 10 to 12 touches a game anyway. So I'm on it, Delvin Gordon, I agree 100% with this one. All right, so I'm going to talk about my guy, and it's someone that I actually drafted a lot of early, and then I just kind of stopped drafting him as Chase Edmonds. So when I when I look at Chase Edmonds, first of all, I love this offense. I mean, first of all, when they go pass heavy, Chase Edmonds is the guy. He's getting five-plus targets in the game. Listen, the Cardinals were extremely dominant on, in week one. And they're one of the teams that had a little less pass volume than they normally would have because they just dominated, and that was it. The other thing I liked is that he was the lead ball carrier in the first half. Yes, it looks like James uh, Connor got most of the work in the second half. That was because they had a big lead. And, of course, what, what do you expect? You don't want Chase Edmonds draining the clock anyway. You have the big back to do that. Early on in the game, it's not a lot, but in the first half, it was Chase Edmonds 5-4 to four for James Connor. The reason why that's a big deal is because last year it was Kenyon Drake. Drake was the early down runner. He got the most carries. It looks like um, Edmonds is now the 1A for the running back carries as well. So I think that's huge, plus his passing game work. I think it's going to give him a nice floor. Yeah, he might struggle for for touchdowns here and there, but at least that PPR aspect of his game is going to make him consistent RB2 this week. Of course, we just brought up this game earlier, the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, the Vikings – did you see what Joe Mixon did to them? Like, it was not good. This is another team that we talked about adjusted line yards last year. Cincinnati doesn't have some dominant push run defense, but Frank Pollock's doing his thing. And sure enough, he goes for, a, like, a, one of the biggest stat lines of the week, Joe Mixon on the ground. So I think that's going to help with uh, Chase Edmonds get some ground game work. And then on top of that, I just like the game flow for this one. I think there's going to be a decent amount of scoring. So that's why Chase Edmonds is in my top 24 this week. Yeah, the PPR upside is just its phenomenal for Edmonds going through these first few weeks, especially. I think the way that they want to call these games is to get him involved, along with New Hopkins, just about as much as possible. Chase Edmonds is a great play here. All right, Buck, listen, we got through our running backs. Now let's talk a little bit about the passing game. We talked a little bit about our QB streamers, some guys that we're looking at. But let's talk about some of the key wide receivers this week. Some guys were fading, some guys were buying. So why don't you jump into a, key, a wide receiver, top 24 wide receiver that you're going to be fading based on expert consensus rankings? Let me first start by saying this breaks my heart because I could be way off base here, but it's Mike Evans. And it's because what I saw from Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin were two fellas that were just incredibly athletic. The route trees for them compared to Mike Evans during that Thursday night game last week, hands down, they were the they were more downfield. And, and the fact is, if Mike Evans is going to be restricted to 10 yards or less, while you have these two burners streaking, one of which has some of the best walk, well, they both have some great hands on them with Godwin and with Antonio Brown. 
But with a full offseason for Antonio Brown training just in the park here in Tampa during COVID, that's what they had to do. They just had to get it done. Get that continuity going, brother. Just get it going. Antonio Brown scares the shit out of me, Bob. That's that's what it is. But it it can be just like we saw. Mike Evans is always an up and down guy. He was very down last week. But they usually don't have the emergence of a secondary wide receiver when Godwin's going nuts. He's usually the guy. It's either boom or bust for him while one other goes. I'm sorry. It's just it's Mike Evans for me this week, and it could be any of these other Buccaneers wide receivers week over week just because I think Tommy is 45, and he's ready to roll. Yeah, he's aging like fine wine, that Tom Brady. I, it's amazing. It's amazing when you give an all-pro like weapons what happens, right? So it's. I agree. The problem I have is that the, the Bucks did so well and Mike Evans didn't have to perform. I don't like that. I like when if the offense is going to be bad, I want everybody to be bad. Yep. And when the offense is good, I want my guy to be the reason. So that's something interesting moving forward. Now let's jump over to my guy. And listen, this is a, an oldie but goodie. It's Julio Jones. And week one, listen, we were high on Julio. And the Arizona secondary, we didn't really expect to have some dominant corners. I mean, Byron Murphy is the only notable guy in the secondary. And sure enough, this offense got shut out. It's Whether it's Todd Downing or the slight changes on the offensive line or whatever it is, for some reason, Julio did not show up in this game. And this week, they actually played the Seattle Seahawks. And I've talked about this a bunch. The Seattle Seahawks have been very good. Yes, I know last week... They did allow two touchdowns to Zach Pascal, but it was under 50 yards. They shut down Michael Pittman. They shut out down Paris Campbell, and they were one of the best defense. I brought this up in my um, analysis earlier, is that when you look at weeks nine on last season, um, the Seattle Seahawks only allowed one player receiver to go over 14 points in half-point PPR, and only six receivers got to double digits. And 10 points in half-point PPR is not a league-winning week. So they really clamped down on those guys, and I think that it's going to continue. I'm not going to just jump into Julio. I kind of maybe moved him into that section where I want to see him do it before I put him in. Uh, So I think I'm moving Julio outside my top 24 wide receivers this week. He's still flexible because this game could be higher scoring. They're playing Seattle. Seattle's going to put up points. But Arizona put up points last week, and they didn't. So I'm a little concerned there. But any thoughts about Julio Jones? They have to get that play-action pass game rolling. Otherwise, I, I just don't see Tannehill being all that successful as a pure drop-back passer. Yeah, I agree. What was it last year? Were they at like 30%? 36. 36? And where yeah. were they at this week? Uh, under 20%. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, it's not good. It was weird. I mean, that was the foundation of under Arthur Smith, and it just seems weird. Todd Downing is not technically – a like he didn't grow up in grassroots of that offense. Remember, he was Oakland's OC in 2017, and then he got bumped over in 2018. Uh, so I just don't. I think it's something to monitor. But listen, not everything should be negative here, Buck. And listen, we're positive guys. We bring good vibes. I found my stride again. I struggled a little early today on this podcast, but now I hit my stride. So tell us a positive. Give us some good news. A receiver going outside that top 24 expert consensus that you're buying for this week. So this one shocked me in terms of target count last week. Mike Williams. I was actually super high on him throughout the live show and our shows last week. Mike Williams, 12 targets, eight catches, and a nice little uh, nice little touchdown there. And what, what really separates him for me this week, I couldn't believe he's at 36, Bob. 36th in a PPR. This is a guy who had 12 targets and eight catches, and now they go up against a Dallas secondary that got shredded last week. 
So I'm going with my guy, Mike Williams, big red zone target. That's separator for me. And if he can just put it all together in terms of those intermediate routes, this is a guy who I think can be a consistent five, six plus catch guy a game. And with that red zone productivity, this is a guy I really am going to lean on this year. One of my highest drafted players for this past draft season. Yeah, that's great. It's super – me and you are vibing right now because I'm going to talk about a player that you know I love. But let's talk about Mike Williams first. The Cowboys, look, you got to follow the matchup sometimes and look at what the Bucks. I know the Bucks are a really good offense, but, I mean, A.B. on the outside did whatever he wanted to do, and they got plenty of production from that wide receiver position. So I think they're this is a great call, and I do like Mike Williams because of the matchup. Plus, Cowboys are going to put up points. So this could be a fun one to watch. I think there's going to be plenty of offense in this game. My guy's Tyler Boyd, and I'm just – I, listen, I want to tell everybody on the Fantasy Focus and everyone listening on the TCK pod side, I called up Tyler Boyd personally. And I said, Tyler, listen, buddy. And he goes, before I even got a word out, Buck, I swear to you. Tyler's like, Bob, I know what you're going to say. I got you. And I said, that's all I need to hear. And that was the end of it. And I said to myself, all right, Tyler, I'm willing to give you a second chance. He is now my player to, that I'm really excited about. Listen, I, I, I talked about – how the Vikings improved in the secondary. One of the things they did improve, they brought in Mackenzie Alexander, one of the better slot corners for the Bengals, ironically enough, last year. I thought Boyd was going to have that matchup. Sure enough, he didn't. Because, listen, the Bengals didn't throw a lot in that game. They hit on the big plays on the outside. They got the two touchdowns with Higgins, and they also got the one for Chase. And then they kind of shut it down and ran the ball with Mixon the rest of the game. Mixon had 25-plus carries. I don't expect that to keep happening. But now they're going to play against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and Cincinnati Bengals, I'm sorry, are playing the Bears. And the Bears' defense got absolutely torched by Cooper Cup in the slot on Sunday Night Football. It was ridiculous. Their slot corner was one of the guys who gave up the most points out of the slot on the week. And I think Tyler Boyd's in for a big bounce back with a much better slot matchup this week versus that Bears corner. I talked about the Rams, and we talked about Cooper Cup on the live show. It's just the Bears have two two new young cornerbacks, and it didn't really look good against the, the Rams. The Rams pretty much did whatever they want. Van Jefferson broke deep. I think Tyler Boyd bounces back in this one because of the matchup. But also we got a little bit of an Andy Dalton revenge game. So Andy Dalton's going to try to chuck it a few times, try to get some points this week. So I think that I think Tyler Boyd, for me, I'm going right back to the well for my guy, and I'm putting back in my lineups. But am I crazy? Should I should I call him and break up? Okay. All right, good. No, but I, I am really happy to know that he listened to uh, Pitbull's 2004 album where it okay. starts with, I got you, I promise. And I think he was just he was just channeling his inner uh, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305. Absolutely. Love it to death, man. Now, listen. Whew, all right, listen. Now we got to talk about some guys we love a lot. Uh, now we're going to switch over to that tight end position. This is kind of important because it seems like there's five or six guys every year and that there's a bunch of different question marks now. So let's talk a little bit about a player that was drafted as a tight end one, had a slow week one, but you think it's going to continue. Talk to us about the top 12 tight end that you're fading uh for this week it's bob tunyon i gotta see it i have to see some semblance of a real offense and a quarterback who gives a damn over there in green bay look four targets two receptions eight yards just isn't going to get it done and the fact is you saw a few things last week with some tight ends you can stream and a couple of fellas that we'll talk about here at the end of this show that I think are more suitable replacements just based on target volume alone. And I understand when you're getting blown out like that, didn't you expect to at least see Rodgers bounce back and put up 21 to 24 points and get beat by 14? That was shocking to me to see them just lay down and get it. That was, it was nuts. And, and so oh. 
it does it does it's too early, but does Rogers care? I, I, they're playing Detroit this week. He if they can't pull it together against Detroit at home, then it's time to light the hair on fire. See, when you spoke of hair. I gotta see the volume to believe the volume. It's like a bottle of Vidal Sassoon shampoo and conditioner. Wow, two for one. Let's do this. <laughs> Thankfully, I transitioned from the two for one about six months ago. I got two separate bottles now. It's working out well, but it ain't Vidal. It. Yeah, I love Vidal. Yeah. He's the Vidal Sassoon right now. They say it will volumize. I'm not quite sure it will, Bob. I have faith in you. If anybody's going to volumize, it's going to be Buck. That's why he's Buck Army. That's why he has a nation that backs him. All right, let's talk about my QB, to, uh, my tight end to fade. And it's someone that's that seems to continue to get like recognition, but when you dive into the numbers from week one, there's a lot to be alarmed about. My tight end fade is Johnu Smith. He still fit in there. Um, when you look at the routes run, something I brought up in our uh, takeaways player trends from week uh, from Monday's show, Johnu Smith and t- uh, Hunter Henry split work, which we all kind of thought, but we thought this offense was going to be too tight to heavy. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a throwback to the Aaron Hernandez days and and Gronk with early 2010, 11 year, years or whatever. The problem is it's not the case. Actually, Kendrick Bourne, the wide receiver three on this offense, ran more routes than both Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. That is a huge problem. That's going to turn Johnny Smith into something he was last year. We all knew Johnny Smith was great. He got a bunch of touchdowns, but he was probably one of the most touchdown-dependent players in the NFL. And the problem with Johnny was he didn't finish higher than a tight end 10 on all that touchdown volume he got last year because he split work with Anthony Ferkser. People don't want to think this, but it was actually a, almost a 55-45 target split between the two. All the touchdowns just went to Johnny. Hunter Henry is a much more prominent and better tight end than a guy like Anthony Ferkser. He's also dependable, blocks. You know, Anthony Ferkser does not block like Hunter Henry does. And we saw in this game, it actually forced the two tight ends to fall below those three receivers. And listen, Matt Jones is great, but he's still a rookie quarterback. We're relying on a rookie to support Jacoby Myers, James White. Nelson Aguilar. Then you have Bourne, Janu, Hunter. That's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. I don't view Janu as a tight end one anymore, especially there's plenty of guys that kind of showed that that volume in week one that we'll talk about in a second that guys were buying outside the top 12. But Janu, in my opinion, because of that usage, is a red flag for me. You're banking on a touchdown. Even if he gets in there, it could be still like a nine-point week, maybe 10 at the most, and I'm just not into that for fantasy purposes. So is he cashing checks from last year at this point, in your opinion, just still getting a little bit of shine here as a default top 12 option? I I guess. Uh, you know, that's what I, it has to be. I think when you, you see these expert rankers, it's easy to just kind of go with the template guys for the first couple of weeks and figure it out. And that's, sure. there's nothing wrong with that. But we're not doing that here. We're just trying to figure we're, we're it's easy for us to look at their their ranks. And be like, yeah, that's a guy we don't like. But when you're breaking it down and you're thinking who has a really realistic option for a touchdown? You're probably going to think Johnny Smith is up there, but I'm just not interested in banking on two for – we saw with Gerald Everett, two for 20 and one. Great, but really, did it win you your week? And if he doesn't catch that touchdown, he's going to destroy you. So that's why I'm going to fade guys like Johnny Smith. Fair enough. All right, buddy. Now, now because I don't like Johnny, help me out. Who can I replace Johnny Smith in that top 12? Who's the guy outside that top 12 you're buying for this week? So I wanted to say, last night, as of – 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Rob Gronkowski was still number 13. He's bumped all the way to 7-8 at this stage. But it's Gronk, but I'm going to give you an option. So with Gronk, I just want to say, holy shit, I'm all the way back on Gronk. 
the full off season of training, I think helped him tremendously. And they, they just look two peas in a pod. Shouldn't be surprising, but he looked even more athletic than I remembered in that week one. So Gronk is my guy, but let me give you an option here. Gerald Everett. So I know that's a little bit of a curveball for you, but I still got a streaming option for all you guys waiting on it out there, guys and gals. Uh, but Gerald Everett, I think, could be, and, and here's a name drop, Bob, the next Will Disley. <laughs> Go on. The next Will Disley. <laughs> here's the thing. Again, Russell was not throwing the ball week one, yet you still had efficiency from those wide receivers with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, when he's really cooking, he's hitting those seam routes, baby. And I want to see Gerald Everett take the next step of his career because I think it, it was such a hindrance to him being a one and a two and that kind of flip-flopping for the last two seasons in L.A. So I think now if he can be the focal point, this is a guy that I'm actually extremely high on as a stream option. Uh, he only had the two targets, but he turned in a touchdown in week one. And this is a guy that I think can actually cook pretty well with – the cook himself, Russ Danger Wilson. All right, this is good. You know what? This is why I love you, Buck, because you know what? You just you you got thrown a curveball late, and you said, you know what? You just waited back, and you just took it out of the park. And you know what? You actually double dipped a little bit. You know, we were going to talk about tight end streamers later. You know, we're just going to buy the segment. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to tell you one guy that I'm high on this week. Technically, he just fell into the top twelve too. So. Yes, yeah. my guy. It's you know we buck really we 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 trust me. We did a lot of work. We, sometimes it's bad to be prepared because we were too early on this, but that's okay. My guy's Tyler Higby. Yes, he stuck into the 12th spot in expert consensus ring as of last night. He was 13, whatever. This is something you need to know about Tyler Higby, and I talked about this all off season. Why he was one of my guys, one of my must have players because Gerald Everett is gone, and everyone just thought you, uh, Jacob Harris was going to take over the Gerald Everett role. There is that role doesn't necessarily need to exist. We saw it when Gerald Everett got hurt in 2019. The backup is Johnny Munden, who is not a pass catcher. That's why Tyler Higby dominated. In 2020, they split work between Everett and Higby 50-50 because Gerald Everett was supposed to be the next Jordan Reed. They were the first pick in that Rams franchise for with Sean McVay in 2017. It was Gerald Everett. And Everett didn't live up the bill because they gave the money to Tyler Higby. Last week, he played 100% of the snaps. He ran the second most routes on the team. This is not a joke anymore. He is legit top five tight end for the season. When you see guys like Kyle Pitts struggle a little bit, like, okay, Mark Andrews, that off, that uh, passing game we just talked about with Lamar Jackson, a little off. Tyler Higby's playing with Matthew Stafford, and that offense looked awesome, and he's on the field 100% of snaps. Stop overthinking it. Tyler Higby is someone that you want. Now, just because Buck and me are men of the people, the guy I'm going to talk to you about deeper is Jared Cook. Now, Jared Cook, ironically enough, I know uh, Donald Parham got a lot of work too, but he out-tar- he had over 30 snaps in that game versus only 13 for Donald Parham. So it was a big gap between the two. Plus, the Chargers offense has consistently been very pass-heavy over the last couple of years. Week one, it was no different. We saw big-time volume from this offense, and Jared Cook was the primary tight end. On top of all that, Joe Lombardi brought over Jared Cook from the Saints. So there's a little bit of that. This is my guy. I brought him over from New Orleans. He's my go-to guy, the tight end, especially in the red zone. We know Mike Williams is going to get his attention. We know Keenan Allen is too. But if you look at Jared Cook, I think he's going to have a very solid week this week against 
in, in week two, because we saw it in week one. He was the, basically the third pass catcher on this offense. Austin Eckler had zero targets. I don't expect that to continue, but I thought that was extremely interesting when I was like, hmm, maybe they didn't need to use him at once. And now he gets Dallas, who, by the way, just you just brought up your guy, Gronk. I mean, against Dallas, Gronk went nuclear. I think it was 80, 90, uh, 8, 90 for two. I think it was something crazy like that. Um, big stat line from Gronk. I'm not scared off by the Dallas defense. I think Jared Cook could be your streamer this week. Buck, what's your thoughts? Jared Cook has spited me in years past as a streaming option. So out of spite, I will say I disagree here. But because of that matchup, let's just say I'll nibble on a little bit. I'll give it a little right. nibble. All I ask from you. I don't ask you to take a bite. I just want you to take a little nibble. And that's why I appreciate yeah, you, Buck. Take a taste. Take a, a taste. Percent. All right. Now, before we close, <laughs> yeah, before we close out, um, I do we do have some QB streamers. I want to make sure we get to those too because I want to make sure we tell the people. We already gave you some solid options, the guys outside the top 12, but we're just going to give you some deeper names. So if, you know, low-owned guys, someone that's a little bit less popular, Buck, give us your QB streamer that pretty much everyone can find on their waiver wires right now. So maybe not so much anymore, but as of last night, it's Jameis Winston. I, I've i been harsh on this man for the last three weeks on this show. I can't do it anymore. And, and I know that the pass yardage was down. They didn't need it to go up from there. They had that game fully in control. But I actually saw Jameis, who took a year understudy of Drew Brees, and, and he just looked like he wasn't trying to push it. He was simply taking the open man. You didn't see him targeting the same individuals, pass in, pass out. You didn't see his eyes lock. He saw the field. He actually looked like a different quarterback, and I know it's just one week, but I've always said this, and I will continue to say it. If the guy is hot, if Jay Boo Winston is hot, you got to get on that train before it goes off the tracks. So if there's a situation where maybe you're not feeling your quarterback or you draft a quarterback pretty low, if you had the shot to pick up Jameis Winston, it's just one of those feelings where I think when, when he gets hot, I think he stays hot. So I'm going to go with Jameis Winston here as my stream option at quarterback. He's not quite ready to get in full insertion yet. Not quite yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> Into the lineup. <laughs> I mean, wow. Okay, listen, I respect that. Honestly, you're you're a doll. I love it. Anyway, all right. So, I listen, Jameis was to do five touchdowns on like 23 pass attempts. It was something else. Maybe it's a Packers thing, but it's definitely something that you want to put in your, your on your bench to see what's going on there overall. But it's kind of ironic. We're, we're vibing a lot because because of Jameis Winston, I actually made my streamer. Oh, sorry. That's that's that says Buck. It's Bob streamer, folks. Sorry, everybody. Um, Buck doesn't get to my streamer is Jared Goff. Now, game flow mattered in that game in Detroit. And when you watch that game, it wasn't really great early. And then they got all this garbage time volume against San Francisco. And Jared Goff ended up finishing as a top five quarterback on the week. Um, you know, TJ Hawkinson, the running backs. The good thing is with Jared Goff is, yeah, they don't have the receivers, but the Packers' strength is their cornerback. Their they have Jair Alexander. This week he's playing against the Packers who got lit up for five touchdowns by Jameis Winston on 150 yards and all that stuff. It was whatever. But my point with Jared Goff is I think the Packers have to prove something at home. So I think the Packers need to come back and light things up. And I think that's going to offer Jared Goff more garbage time. And I'm not saying Jared Goff is going to come out there and light things up in Green Bay. But what I what I think is going to happen is the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are going to hear all the noise. You know, he's not trying. He doesn't care. Blah, blah, blah. He's going to come out firing against a very bad Detroit defense that got lit up by Jimmy G and that ground game. And I think that's going to lead Goff 
down another path where he's targeting Swift and Jamal Williams and those running backs and TJ Hawkinson in the middle of the field. Listen, Juwan Johnson caught two touchdowns. So, I mean, Hawkinson can definitely beat up on this defense. So I think if you're desperate at quarterback, let's say, you know, you're in a deeper format or a QB2 and you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example, and you couldn't get Heineke or whatever, I think golf is actually a better play than Heineke this week. So that's why he's my QB streamer. You know, never, never turn down the opportunity to get a team that should be trying to come back in the second half that relies on their their running backs as pass targets the way that we saw week one. I mean, I was astounded looking at the target breakdown for week one for the Lions, but it actually gave me so much hope for guys like Swift and guys like uh, Jamal Williams. I mean, it just – it looks to me like I like it when a quarterback in garbage time is just instead of trying to force the issue, which yeah. I think he'll have a problem forcing the issue for the majority of the year considering their wide receiver depth, but – Good Lord, if he can just go dink and dump all the way down, and then he's got Hawkinson down the middle, who, in my opinion, was one of the more impressive tight ends on the week, short of Gronkowski. I just think it could really work out for them. So I feel you on that one, Bob. Yeah. All right, Buck, listen, that, listen, that was a hell of a show. We put in a lot. Of, we got Monday Night Football, and we got our start sits kind of, little streamers. We got a bunch of stuff going on here. But um, is there anything else that we haven't talked on today, maybe a player you haven't thought about yet? Is there anything else you want to tell the people about on our episode before we go. I was just impressed with Cole Komet. So Cole Komet for me, yeah. uh, top 10 routes run last week. That was a surprise. Um, I also think seven targets is pretty darn good for him. Five for 42. I think that's a good building block. I'd like to see him turn the corner for week five. But I also have one que- or two questions here, Bob. I'm going to turn to you because there's only two of us. I'm going to go <laughs> to you to give the decisions on these questions here. All right. All right. So we got our guy Kyle Senra, long time, definitely not a first time. Uh, speaking of Melvin Gordon, has to bench one of these RBs in 0.5 PPR. And folks, thank you for the format. The format is very helpful on Sundays. Bring us that format. It really does help us out. Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift. I'm assuming, Kyle, please tell me that's a 10-man league. Otherwise, you're running away with it because – you got a decision yeah. on your hands here for this week. So Eckler, Gordon, Montgomery, Swift. Got to bench one here, Bob. Uh, that's that's tough. I, I You know, Eckler and Montgomery, I mean, D- DeMont looked really good um, in their Fierce. game. Fierce. Like, just something about, I was watching that game. We were texting, and I think he's got some extra juice. Cincinnati's, you know, Cincinnati's run defense is fine. I mean, they got beat a little bit by uh, Dalvin Cook last week, but – I'm not scared off. I think I liked what I saw from David Montgomery and Austin Eckler. I think is going to bounce back in the reception category, but him getting the red zone work, that just means he's going to bubble up and explode. I think it comes down to Swift and Melvin Gordon. I think Swift looked good. I think the good thing about Swift is that they don't have pass catchers, so they're using their running backs a lot. So I think I'm going to lean Swift over Gordon slightly, and Gordon's going to be the guy I sit. Yep, I actually agree with you on that one here. So I think this is a – this is a trade question, Bob. Your specialty here mm. from Kyle Ellis. 10-time, ten 10-team ten PPR Keeper League. They keep three without penalties or anything. So it's D. Monty, Tyler Lockett, Kareem Hunt, ninth-round pick, and a 12th-round pick for Barkley, Allen Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Ayuk, 14th and 15th. There's a lot to take in there. Yeah, I'm not making the trade if I'm the Montgomery owner here. Yeah, I'm just gonna agree. I like the I like the D Mott Lockett duo yeah. better than what I'm seeing. I, I understand Ayuk and 
and Pitts are going to bounce back. But you're also getting better picks with the DeMont and Lockett side slightly. So I think I'm going to go with that with that side as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the D Monty side on this one. That's all, all right. I got, Bob. You got anything yeah, for me? No, that's it, buddy. Listen, that was that was our first season episode. And listen, you know, we're gonna this is gonna hit off without a hitch very soon. But Sunday Live, listen, Buck, before we go, tell the people about our Sunday Live show and why they should go. It's 10 to 1 Eastern time leading up to kickoff. You should be there because there's just a lot of great characters involved, not just on this show. But also in the comment section, I, I think we get a lot of great interaction, a lot of positivity, and it's just overall, it's a great time. There's a lot of laughs, but there's also some really sound fantasy advice, most of which is coming from uh, the TCK boys and my former uh, co-host over there, Levy. But it, you'll get a little more hijinks from me at times, but I'm also very <laughs> grounded, very grounded. Absolutely. But it, you come here for a good time. If you just have yeah. nothing else going on, you don't want to listen to ESPN for three hours. You want to listen to us because yeah. we'll engage you. We will Absolutely. make sure that we're answering your questions. Good luck on those other shows, but we'll do our best to get to every single question. Last week, volume was pretty high. We need to crank it up to 11 for week two. Absolutely. Thanks, Buck. All right, guys, listen, this uh, this episode was brought to you by Bet Online AG and also Play Action Pools and all our episodes with the Candlestick Kids are brought to you by our sponsors. This video, of course, is on the Fantasy Football Network. We always love our partners over at Fantasy Focus, and we really appreciate everything you guys do for us. So I'm Bobby Lamarco. My co-host today was Bucky. Listen, we're out of here, guys. We'll see you next week again for Week 3 Start Sit Streamers and Thursday Night Football Preview. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.